0: Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family, with trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories. We are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. I'm going to try a little radio voice on today's show, get everyone pumped up because we're talking about the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, the city everyone's heard of, Dubai. I went there. I will tell you what it's like. Some of it will surprise you. And uh, yeah, that's what we will be talking about in our trip portion. If it's your first time uh, listening to the show, uh, half the show will be me talking about some current events. We're going to front load that uh, going forward. So those of you that would like to listen to that part, it's in the first half. And if you want to skip over to the second half of the show, that's fine. It'll be right in the middle. And of course, we still don't have any sponsors, so you don't have to worry about uh, advertisements. So let's get started uh, talking about some current events and then into Dubai. Uh, And also at the end of the show, we'll be talking about some uh, bloopers. We're going to do a new segment called uh, Bloopers Things That I Messed Up. And there's plenty of that. So we'll be doing that going forward. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Okay, talking about some headlines. It's been a while since uh, we recorded. It's been a while. Um, so there, there are some things that uh, might seem outdated. So bear with me. I'll try to be quick on the stuff. I had written down some notes on some old stories. And um, the first one is the derailment of a train in East Palestine, Ohio, which I don't know why they don't call it East Palestine. I thought that that word was Palestine. Um, Anyway, a train derailed. If you're not from the States, you didn't hear about this. Um, The EPA, our Environmental Protection Agency, decided to explode the train to burn off this uh, phosphorus or whatever the material was, killed a lot of fish, It turned into a political uh, football, because uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg did not uh, visit um, Palestine, Palestine, Ohio. Um, uh, Donald Trump did, and then Mayor Pete showed up right afterward. And of course, Donald Trump showed up with a bunch of bottles of water. So, great work bringing a bunch of like plastic. I mean, somebody ought to call him out for that. You're just, you're, you're, you're just bringing a bunch of plastic. That's all bottled water is. You know, you finish a bottle of that stuff. Where do you think that plastic goes? You think we're recycling that? Uh, no, you're wrong. We're not recycling it. It's a complete waste. Bottled water is completely ridiculous. And it's, it's such a thing that Trump would do. And I'll bet he didn't even think about the environmental consequences of that. And Frankly, it's malpractice that they didn't go on the offensive to talk about that. Pete Buttigieg should have just stuck his, you know, ground. Ohio is a completely red state. Give it up. The, you know, the citizenry was trying to, like, use this red herring about someone not coming to visit. Um, it's complete, you know, opportunistic. uh gamesmanship to criticize someone for not doing a symbolic visit and that's the most annoying thing about politics so I don't know I I think I don't have anything more to say about East Palestine other than I don't know why it's not East Palestine instead of East Palestine whatever it is the next story which I actually am passionate about okay this is the uh, Nikki Haley story um she has thrown her hat in the ring to be to run for president on the Republican ticket, and I'm excited about that because I, Mike, I'm contradicting myself because I know I'm supposed to be like a right winger that doesn't believe in affirmative action, but um, I do sort of like when somebody uh, shows. A lot of courage and I think that that she's showing a lot of courage she's having to go against her former um, like I guess mentor in a way or someone that she looked up to in Donald Trump and I think anyone that that stands up to that guy I really applaud that I mean it's why I'm very curious about DeSantis too to see if he's got the firepower to see if he can deal with the Trump onslaught and like I said you just have to get past the primary with Trump. Um, you know he he's beatable in the primary, but if he wins a primary, then he's going to have um, he's going to probably lose a general election to to uh, Biden. I don't think Trump can win the general election, so so I really think it's incumbent upon the Republicans to find some better candidates, and I think Nikki Haley's a good candidate. And what really pisses me off, um, again, we're, I let, in the, on this show, we're, well, I'm right down the middle. I mean, I'm not gonna like cheerlead for either side. But what pisses me off about the left wing is that they they say they want to uh, be diverse, and they say they want female candidates, and all this stuff, and they want uh, they want. Um, candidates that are of mixed racial background and and black and from any um, anything other than white males. And then when you get those candidates, it still isn't good enough because they're conservatives. So basically what the left wing should say is we just want someone that agrees with us. We're not interested in inter- intersectionality or diversity. We're just interested in people that agree with our um, awful policies. And we'll get to that momentarily but that's what that's a really uh, i i take away from this because there really shouldn't be much criticism of nikki haley the only thing i really heard is that she said she was white on some voter registration and then it was later found out that uh there were only two choices you could be african-american or white and if that is true then whoever criticized her needs to apologize because you sound like an idiot you have to be... I mean, you, you have to have some sort of intellectual integrity. And when you get something wrong, just admit that you're wrong. I mean, that's... Nobody trusts the media anymore. Um, nobody trusts Don Lamont. Uh, nobody trusts... Uh, who's the guy on Fox, you know? Um, I don't... I forget that guy's name. I mean, I really... I I promise, I don't watch him. Um, uh, Carl Carlson. So... If people would just, people are not dumb. Um, some people are, but most Americans are not stupid. And if you just level with them and tell them the truth, you, know, you might you might be able to get some some uh, you might be able to restore some integrity to the journalistic enterprise. But then again, if you're a politician, you can't tell the truth, as uh, as the great Peter Schiff said. You know, an honest politician is an out-of-work politician. Uh, Did a trip to the Ukraine, and um, conservatives criticized him and said, oh, you know, some guts. You know, you, you had to tip the Russians off. There was no danger there. My thought is, are you sure about that? I mean, aren't you telling? <coughs> aren't you telling the enemy exactly where you're going to be, or your, your president? I mean, I, I think that that took some guts. Um, I think it's disingenuous to criticize, you know, um, to criticize President Biden for that trip. I mean, um, I think that was a gutsy move. Look, th- I'm going to call it like I see it on this one. the The Ukraine situation, even though it's a ter- it's terrible to think about the war and what's doing to the people. It's a, it's a bright area of Biden's policy right now. One of the few, but it's still a bright area. and I think he did a good job in, and I think it, I think he was telling, he was telling the enemy exactly where he was going to be in Air Force One and that he was going to be in Kiev. Um, so I, I think the fact that the Russians didn't take a crack at him and try to down his plane or try to bomb Kiev while he was there, I think that tells you something. I think that he's playing a good poker hand against Vladimir Putin right now. There's no other way to put it. So um, I think the right wing will, they lose credibility when, they, when, when they're when they too, they drink the Kool-Aid too much and they're too rah-rah uh, for everything that the right does. And you, you have to criticize both sides. That's the way to, to maintain credibility. And just one more final point on affirmative action. Um, When the right wing uses the NBA argument, I'm not going to allow that anymore. I'm not going to let them get away with that. So the NBA is sorted based on genetic characteristics. Who's taller? Who can jump higher? uh, Who's more athletic? Um, It tends to be African-Americans. And so that's why you don't have a bunch of Jewish short guys in the NBA. That, that's not a justification for the composition of white-collar jobs in the United States. Because white-collar jobs, if you really were sorting based on genetic characteristics, then you would have to acknowledge that black and white people are both equally mentally capable Um, and and capable in in terms of intelligence of filling these white-collar jobs. So if you have, I guess, I think the left wing is sort of correct. This is why I initially agreed with affirmative action. If you were really sorting based on true um, immutable characteristics and true meritocracy, you would have a more racially diverse white-collar workforce in the United States. It, It would be it would be black people would not be underrepresented um, based on immutable genetic characteristics. Um, but in the NBA, um, I think you are, you have sorted properly. You don't want a five, nine Jewish guy to play in the NBA. He can't dunk. Um, you want people who can dunk. That's the point of basketball. You're trying to dunk the ball into the hoop. So, um, So what's going on is if you do, if you have um, a white collar position and it's overrepresented um, uh, and it's overrepresented by white males, you haven't sorted based on true immutable genetic characteristics. If you did, then you'd have a more, it would be more racially diverse. What you've, you've sorted based on some social things that are happening, that's the key. It's social. It's not it's not immutable characteristics like the NBA. So it's apples to oranges. It's a, it's a red herring when you hear people on the right use the NBA example. It's a lazy red herring to try to to try to get you to lose attention. We should be focusing on really what's going on. And one of the things I don't agree with about affirmative action right now is Um, I think that it's taken us backwards. I think the tone of the nation right now in the hatred toward white people, I think is problematic and it's missing the point. Um, I think when George Soros backed district attorneys are are deciding not to prosecute crime, I think that's going backwards. I think just not prosecuting crime and not expelling students just based on their race is completely racist and I would be appalled Um, if, you know, I were being lumped into some group where we were given, we were being treated with kid gloves, you know, I I just don't think that that's by and large what people in the United States want, whatever your race is. I don't, I, I don't think people want to be given special rules and, and treated, you know, paternalistically by lot, you know, latte liberals, um, you know, it's, at some point, um, as as my uh, friend, I won't name him, um, uh, for uh, his safety, but as he says, at some point, it's not the uh, it's not the arrows; it's the Indians. Um, and put it to put it another way: when you get sick, do you get mad at the thermometer? Uh, of course not. So what's going on is there is a problem. There there are definitely problems in our inner cities and and all throughout our the, the nation. Uh, but we're, we're, treat, we're getting mad at the symptoms. We're, we're sort of like attacking the symptoms versus uh, attacking the, the root cause. So I think affirmative action is part of that problem. And so we'll keep discussing it. Ad nauseum. We'll be right back. This show doesn't have sponsors, but what I can do is recommend travel products to help your trip. Today I want to talk to you about the SteriPen UV Water Purifier. This is a small, packable pen that can be put in any of your luggage and hidden away. And let me tell you, when you're traveling in Southeast Asia especially, the water situation is a little bit tricky. What I've used this pen for on our trip is to have a purified water supply at all times. I use it while I'm washing dishes as a final rinse. Sometimes I'll use it if the crew is thirsty, when we show up in a new place and we haven't gone out to get bottled water. Uh, the Sterra pen, I can't recommend it enough. It's very versatile. Uh, there's a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. So this week we were in the great city of Dubai. It's in the United Arab Emirates. So it's important to do some housekeeping. Geographically, it's just north of Oman. Uh, Oman is north of Yemen. Yemen is not... A very safe place apparently but Oman is a very safe country according my my son fills me in on these safety rankings and Oman is in the green and uh that was a shocker to me so generally it's a pretty safe region the two main cities the capital is Abu Dhabi everyone's heard of that one it's kind of a fun name to say everyone's heard of Dubai um and I looked at the other cities and none, I have not heard of any of the other ones. So don't feel bad of those are the only two ones you've heard of. Um, Further to the West, there's Saudi Arabia, then North to Kuwait. Uh, There's a large Island called Bahrain off the coast of Saudi Arabia. So that gets your housekeeping across this like um, little, uh, See uh, there. I forget the name of it, but there's Iran, Iran. So, um, there's some Iranian influence in Dubai and that may be, that's interesting. Um, it's, uh, it's a, a very sort of grand city. They've tried to, they sort of built this city in the nineties. It's a very new looking city. We saw the very first, um, skyscraper if you want to call it that it was it's this kind of like little building out you know east of town a little cute red light up top it's it's kind of nothing it looks like I mean it looks like it was built in the 90s and then you go downtown and there's this uh, this Burj Khalifa building it's the tallest building in the world and from our hotel you can kind of see it and it doesn't look that tall from the hotel But when I was looking at it, I thought, why is it kind of hazy? I can't really figure out why I can't fully see it. I can see some of the other buildings. Well, it turns out that that's because of how tall it is. And you're actually seeing it from very far away. So it's like this optical illusion. And when you go stand next to this thing, especially at night, it's truly awe-inspiring. I was very impressed. I was very skeptical of this type of thing. Like, how cool could it be to stand next to a building? You I've know, been to New York, um, you know, been to the um, Empire State Building. The Burj Khalifa is awe-inspiring, and, and I was just standing next to it. So that was a, a major um, high point in the trip. We stayed in what's called Old Dubai, which, again, is from the 90s. Um, we stayed in this kind of traveler's kind of cheaper. It's called an Element. It's a Marriott brand, um, but it's clean. And uh, you can take cabs everywhere. They use Uber a lot. There's a Uber helicopter, um, which is kind of fun. They, they, you can't use it for short trips yet. Um, you can hire it to do like these tours that were about looks like about $200. I mean, um, you know, now that I say that, that, that wouldn't be a terrible idea. You kind of see the, the city from a helicopter. And um yeah, I mean the ca- the cabs were relatively inexpensive. The uh the food can be expensive, but you know, you have to be smart. I mean, if you get if you find yourself in a restaurant that uh seems kind of expensive, you know, you just have to make sure everyone's careful with what they order. And my son immediately goes for the most expensive thing and then we have to like carefully talk him off the ledge, Um, you know, let him know he can't get the thing that's that expensive. Uh, But we we escaped those uh, bullets and we took the kids to Kid Zania um, and Legoland, although my daughter just went to Legoland. And here's what I would tell you. If you have kids, those two things are not appropriate for kids probably over eight or seven and I was a bit upset that they were marketed so much toward that age range. I mean they tell you, you know from four to 16, you know your kid's gonna love this stuff and I think that that is false advertising. I think it's they're doing it on purpose. They're trying to sucker more people in. Um, and I mean nothing personal, but I think if I had a 16 year old at Kid Xania, I mean they would, be completely uh bored out of their minds um and even like my eight year old started to get bored some of the stuff was pretty cool in there um it wasn't terribly um expensive, but if you have a kid who's six, I mean they're gonna love that six or seven um just to give you an idea of some of the event what this is it's a it's a city it's a simulated city where the kids can do like little jobs they can be disc jockeys they can work as a at a tire shop i mean it's a whole city and they go in and they they work at these jobs for about 15 minutes and uh and they get some points on a card that they can go use to like buy something later on so it teaches you some good sort of capitalism skills and again some of the stuff was good uh um my daughter who does the intro for the show, she went to the radio jockey um, one and they, they let you do like a segment where you're introducing the songs and you're telling, you're introducing who you are and she, she killed it. I thought she did a great job. I can't get her to like show any interest in that stuff, but they, they broadcast your voice over the entire thing and I think she did a terrific job on that. But most of the other stuff was kind of boring. Um, she did get to go back and work at McDonald's, which was really exciting, apparently, for her. Uh, I didn't have the heart to tell her that, like, when I was growing up, that was you were trying to avoid that. But, hey, times have changed. I mean, you have to have an open mind. And um, I admire some things about how McDonald's kind of operates. Uh, I think they've rebranded. It used to be like the job nobody wanted, and now it's you got it's got to be an option. I mean, at some point when you're young, apparently Dubai the passport right now is considered the most powerful passport in the world in terms of visa-free travel, and um, it gets you thinking a little bit. I think they might have the um, citizen by investment program where you could buy some real estate. Um, and get a get some sort of a passport. I mean, it's something to look into. I'm not where I in a position where I could afford something like that. Our family isn't, and I mean, come on, probably never will be. I mean, that's like you gotta be kind of rich to be like buying into places to get passports and stuff. That's that's the rich person game. But it's nice to think about. I mean, it's something to work towards. I mean, this is what. I always try to tell my kids, like don't be, don't be too jealous of people that, I mean, money is very relative. Um, and you shouldn't get too jealous about people that have been successful that a lot of times they've put in a lot of hard work and, um, growing up in the United States, you're going to hear a lot lately about, um, how bad rich people are. And it's not all the case. Um, but I know we, I front-loaded the politics. So I'll I'll stop there, but um what else? Dubai, we went to uh the beach. Uh my son and I took a trip to the beach when they were when the girls went to Legoland. <coughs> we went to La Mer Beach, which was kind of a joke. Uh, I, I I hate to admit that. There were a lot of Russian people there. They seemed like they were having fun. I don't know how. Um, it didn't look very fun to me, but you know, I spent, I spent two months in Thailand and those beaches were pretty amazing. So it's hard to, hard to compare to like an Arab beach, Arab state beach. We did go to the mall of Dubai. That one is pretty awesome. Um, you know, I'm not a huge mall person, but pretty, pretty sweet mall. They, uh, a little bit of everything, a lot of expensive stuff. Uh, sometimes in those, I get a little uncomfortable. You know, I, I walk in with my flip flops and, you know, you want to try to, trying to, try to act the part a little bit, but they, they can tell, they can see me coming in. I'm, I'm, uh, Mr. Thrifty. And they kind of want to shoo you away a little bit. It's like, you know, and I guess that goes to a larger point. Dubai, um, I, I heard they're trying to position themselves as like a tourist destination for when the oil dries up, which will inevitably happen when, when the oil becomes too hard to get to, I think we're going to start turning away from it. Um, we're not there yet, of course. I mean, um, but we will, we'll get to the point where there's, there are oil reserves that we just, it's too expensive to access them. It's going to be easier to go like ride a bicycle or something. I don't know. Um, and, uh, uh, when that happens though, they're going to have to figure out the customer service part. I mean, I've never, I've never been around so many people that seem grumpy to be somewhere. Um, we, we, we really interact with a lot of like kind of glum, like kind of grumpy people. It's like, you're in Dubai, man. This is supposed to be like an exciting city that everyone wants to go to and everyone's grumpy about it. I, I just couldn't figure it out. Uh we met a Pakistani cab driver who said he loved it there though, and he moved when he was ten. His family took him out of Pakistan for better opportunities and so when we talked to him, I felt like that was legitimate. I don't think anyone was like had a gun to the guy's head you know to to try to um uh, you know to have, to say something good about the regime and you know everyone. People like to talk about the human rights stuff with Dubai. I don't know enough about that. I mean, um, you know, when I was there, it seemed like it was a pretty nice place, pretty cool, uh, pretty cool country. I don't know. I don't know when we'll we'll go back. Um, one of the oh the highlight. I want to make sure we hit this. Um, the first night there, we did a desert tour, um, which was pretty pretty awesome. And pretty pretty good value bomb there wasn't terribly expensive. I mean, I was shocked. Um, we they you pile into this SUV. We got we get in and there's like sand in the back seat. I couldn't figure that out. And there's a snowboard sitting in the back of the of the SUV. And so I'm thinking, you know, does this guy like? I know there's an indoor skiing place in the mall. Is does, does this guy like shred on his like break? But. Um, we got out to these huge sand dunes outside of town where you're like literally in the sand desert. There's camels and stuff like that. Not wild, not wild camels. I don't know if there are wild camels. Um, but the, the, the snowboard is for sandboarding. And uh, we figured that out. And so we did, we started by doing dune bashing, which is apparently a thing where you, uh, where the guy drives around the dunes all crazy and I'm sitting in the back with my kids We're, we got piled in there with a Moroccan family and they didn't use car seats for their kids their young kids so I thought that was questionable but I, look who am I um, to judge and uh, the guy was driving around like a maniac uh, a couple times I had to yell up to my wife who was in the front seat like tell this guy to Take it easy. Um and he's telling me he told me there's no way it's gonna the thing's gonna roll. And to that, I mean that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um that those the S C V absolutely could roll off one of those dunes. There's no question about it. Um they did have reinforced roll bars, so if you're thinking of doing the dune bashing, I recommend it. My son loved it. I mean he asked if we could do it the next day. Um as a nervous middle aged dad, I did not love it. And I probably could have skipped it. But then uh, when it was done, he, he took us up to the top of a dune and we did sandboarding. And uh, so the guy gets the board out, starts trying to tell us how to do it. And I'm like, bro, hang on a second. Like, we're from Colorado, I think we can take it from here. And uh we just we represented a little bit, like the Moroccan family was terrified, and uh, my wife and I we shredded um, my son actually shredded a little bit like he did a couple of great his his run was better than mine actually um, I actually fell once that was kind of embarrassing, but that's because I was pushing myself so um, oh, and then so you know the best part was the food after we left this dune area they take you over to the desert camp and they set out all these tables and they have a stage and all these dancers and fire show and all you can eat you know Lebanese buffet great food they even serve wine um I was joking the uh the, the, the line to get um to get a glass of, of wine at this uh, bar it was like the loneliest place I've ever seen. Um, it was just me and like some other tourists because nobody uh, drinks in the UAE. It's, it's, there are a lot of like Muslims and, um, <clears throat> and it's not like in Turkey where they say everyone's a Muslim and then you find out <laughs> not so much. It's like everyone's really a Muslim And they don't drink. And I totally respect that. I think it's awesome. We kind of, we we cut back on our drinking for the, you know, three or four days we were there. Um, And it's cool. Like, I mean, it's just another way to look at it. Like I've always said, I I have a lot of respect for the Islamic religion. And I'll keep banging that drum. I have respect for a lot, for all religions. But I think in the West, we really, really need to make sure we're, reaching out, finding common ground. I think that's a huge thing. It's, it's why I still like to do the show frankly, and still like to travel. Um, but the food was great. Um, a little bit of coffee to finish it off. Uh, even the kids kind of liked that whole thing. So yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend it. Um, I don't know. I don't know the quality of the different tours. Um, I'll go ahead and link. I'll link in the show notes. Um, to this guy I think His name is Ali I think he did a good job I mean he's vi- I think there's something With the Arab culture Where it's just kind of a mental Like a gruffness Or a Machismo From the males Or something I don't know um, But he was fine And I mean the guy's got a snowboard In the back of his car So Pretty cool stuff And uh, That was it Quick little Quick stopover uh, Four-nighter in Dubai Um, definitely a place to check out. We did it as a continuation ticket where you you buy the ticket from Hanoi to Naples and then they, it's the same airline ticket, but they drop you in Dubai and then you take off, you go from Dubai to Naples. We arrived in Naples yesterday and oh my gosh, I love Italy. I'm so happy to be back here. Um, We're going to talk about it next week for sure. This is World Travel Dad. Let's face it, when I'm on the road, I get ripped off, a lot. And I'm constantly making a fool of myself. But I'd like to share those moments with you because maybe it'll help you avoid a similar fate or maybe you can just make fun of me. All right, a couple of bloopers. Um, this uh, This is tough for me, like, I don't like to admit when I've been ripped off, but it happens so often. I mean, I think I need to be honest. It, I need to let the listeners know, and maybe there's some good that can come of it. Maybe you guys will learn from me. So, first, first thing that happened to me, and something you can learn from: we don't take a lot of taxis on our trip. Um, we take we take grabs. We take Ubers. We were doing that in Southeast Asia. And then you kind of see the price pretty pretty easy. You know, I'm it's revolutionary. Um, no haggling, that type of thing. Well, we decided to treat ourselves to a taxi ride from the Naples airport yesterday. And um, I know a little bit of Italian, of course. Uh, I like to say, just like with French, the people say that they know enough to be dangerous. Well, I know enough Italian to be annoying. So, but I you know, I walk, walk right up there confidently, start chatting about the you know prices. And I tell them, you know, the, the, uh, the lady inside, the, um, the helpful lady, she told me it was going to be around 20. And the guy s- asked me the address the in, in Dorito. And I said, look, you know, it's right about here. It's kind of the Duomo fermata on the, the stop on the Duomo. And, uh, He's like, okay, well, maybe 25. And I'm thinking, okay, 25, I can live with that. I got all this, all the baggage, the, you know, the bagali. And, uh, so we get driving, and then he says, well, hang on a second. Um, you said Duomo Via, and I said, no, Duomo Fermata. And we kind of got into it a little bit there. You know, at this point, like tensions aren't terribly high. Um, I believe, and maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I believe that Italy um, is, is generally a great country in terms of the people. I mean, it, I like to say Italians, uh, they warmed my dad up. Um, my dad, um, who passed away recently, I always tell my kids, you know, he was kind of a curmudgeon at times, but the Italian people, they warmed him right up. They would not allow it. They wouldn't allow him to be a curmudgeon. And by the end of it, it was his favorite country to travel to, um, that in Mexico. And uh, so the Italian people are pretty cool. So I don't, I don't go into it thinking they're trying to rip people off. Um, but so we, he finally said, all right, you know, 25. Um, all right, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, but you have the bags. You have those bags back there. And so what I should have done is I should have said, well, how much are the bags going to cost? And you know what I should have done? I should have asked... How much are the bags going to cost me before we get going here? Because um, there, it's not it's not printed anywhere. Um, I think there is a passenger surcharge, but I had four passengers. I shouldn't have hit that. Um, so when we when we finally get to the place where we're going, the, the meter said 22 euros. And I saw the meter. And I got out to help my family get off the street with the bags. And the dude looks in, checks the meter, and then he tells me 30. So, what he did was, he did the classic roundup. He said, "We're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna charge you eight euros for the bags and the people," and that kind of thing has happened to me a couple times now, where there it's like the mystery charge, and if you don't speak Italian, they're just gonna stick you with the mystery charge. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm five euros in the negative, and I have no one to blame but myself. I should have. I could have gotten out of that by being very specific about what I was going to be charged. Um, when you go to the restaurants here, they um, they have a uh, coperto. It's like a per person charge, which it's kind of like a mystery charge. It kind of shows up, has to be um, provided to you by law. Um, so look for that. Um, that's that's actually legit. So nobody's trying to rip you off there. But it's a classic. Uh, Napoli Roundup, and I, I got hit pretty bad by it. So uh, make sure you know how much the bags are going to cost in the cab. <laughs> For the final blooper this week, it's another thing dealing with checking the cost before you buy. Like I, they must just see me coming. I think I'm getting in my own head. I think uh, there's something. I'm I'm not very street smart. Um, and it's, I'm trying to get more street smart, but it's, it's not going to happen. I'm 42 years old. I'm not street smart. It's not going to happen. Um, you may have seen on Instagram, I got my haircut on the street. Uh, well, I paid a, I paid a hefty tourist price for that haircut. I paid 200 and it shouldn't have been more than 100. And I didn't check the price up front. And the reason I did that is because everywhere else I had been um, like in Thailand I got my hair cut and the lady it was practically free like I was in her living room and I thought you know it's going to be like that like how much can it be this guy's sitting on the street with a pack of smokes and uh, he charged me 200 he hit me with the tourist price after I got done but you know what that guy he was such a magician on the high fade that uh, I didn't lose much sleep over that one Thank you for listening to this show. I am constantly trying to improve through the process of iteration. Your time is valuable, and I appreciate you spending it here. We are now available on Google, Apple, and Spotify. Wherever you are listening, please take a moment to leave a five star review and hit subscribe. And I promise to do whatever I can to send you good vibes.